Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with eyes, the incredible, the ingenious, and the never-insouciant Mary Abijay. Hi, Chris DeSantis. I love the word insouciant. I can't say it, but I love that. I wonder if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It sounds good to me. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. My name is Mary, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the impeccable, the incredible, and the not inexpensive Chris DeSantis. <laughs> I'm a value. I'm a value. You're, you're a value, Chris. And I have learned a lot from you about not being inexpensive and the dangers of being cheap. Well, there's a price to being cheap. Yeah, not you get cheap, what you pay for. Yeah, not a cheapskate, people, but pricing ourselves too cheap. Yeah, so. that, ask us questions about that sometime. Uh, that's great. So, Chris, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than I was. I, I, I've, I've run into the COVID creature, and so now I'm in working my way through it. so Well, welcome to the club. I, I just know. got over it, as you know. Right. Uh, but, yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. It's going to hit almost everybody. Well, they say everyone's going to get it at some point. So now you can feel like part of the club. I'm in the club. I'm in, you're the, in club. the club. You're right, yeah, right. How yeah. about you? How You're doing okay? I feel great. I'm excited to talk about this topic because I think if I remember correctly, we've got some questions about lying and cheating and stealing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty excited about it because this is our 100th episode. Uh-huh. I'm lying. Ah, you're <laughs> lied. <laughs> oh, by the way, liar, liar. We call this episode Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. And right. I, I looked it up. Do you know where it uh, comes from? Um, Pinocchio? No, no. It's derived from a poem by William Blake written in 1810. Wow. And the, the verse, the verse is, Deceiver, dissembler, your trousers are alight. From what pole or gallows shall you dangle in the night? Wow. Isn't that wild? That and is crazy. And you know what? That is just the kind of useless information that I love to like throw at people at bars and cocktail receptions. So I'm going to thank you. I'm going to use this at some point. Oh, there's another one. I've got one because I thought of this. Remember this one? <clears throat> Ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Remember that when you were a little yeah, kid? Yeah, I do. You know where that came from? Ah, oh, that's also from a poem. No. No, is it from like an old English book? Old, it's old. The it's bubonic like, plague. No. <laughs> oh, you know what? Now that you say that, right. it's kind of coming back to me. I think I read about that once in historical fiction. Right. Yeah, because they used to have to burn the bodies. Well, rings around the roses, rings around your cheeks was a sign. And then they put flowers in your pockets and then they burn you. And they burn you. And kids Ashes. remember that. 500 years later, kids are still sharing that moment. <laughs> if I don't know that they know what they're sharing. <laughs> it's pretty, That's pretty funny. gruesome. Funny. Anyway, back to where we are. Because uh, if the topic's on liars, Mary, have you ever had run-ins with liars? Um, in fact, I have. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah. Do I tell. had, oh, gosh. Okay. I had a business partner once for the nightclub that we owned. Uh -huh. My sister and I had a third partner in this nightclub. Mm -hmm. And he was a chronic liar. He lied about 
everything. And not only do you lie about big things like where's the money, but it'd be like, Dave, where'd you have lunch today? Oh, I had sushi. When I saw him eating a cheeseburger across the street, like the man just, he was just a pathological liar about everything. He was super charming and super nice, but it really started to grate on me because it was just, because you can't, you can't, how can you trust yeah. someone who's just a liar, liar, pants on fire? It was weird. I could never understand why he would lie about stupid things. Yeah, because he has to track that at some point. Somebody might say, wait, didn't I see you at, uh, you know, Blimpies? <laughs> he could literally be eating a cheeseburger and say, I'm eating sushi. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's crazy. It was crazy. But, you know, when I think about lying, I think about, of course, my favorite TV show, The Seinfeld. Oh, and yeah, there yeah. is a great line right. where Jerry is asking George how to pass a lie detector test. Uh -huh. And George turns to Jerry and says, Jerry? Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's Which great. I think speaks to our former president of the United States. Yeah. Oh, but as we're moving yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I haven't had much run-ins with liars in, in the world, world of work. You know, people lie, of course, you know. Yeah. Uh, white lies I'm good with. But the world of work, no. Most of the people I've run into are more about grand promises, you know. Ooh. Grand promises. They frame it as a future opportunity, that sort of thing. It's and it just be, doesn't come through. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And the frustrating thing about that is, A, it's not a lie if they believe it. Right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and they may be believing it. But, you know, is a promise unkept a lie? It's hard. Like, how I would categorize that. Yeah, because, well, I guess the question is, is it, are they actually believe, to your point, are they actually believe this will happen or are they framing this as will happen just to, you know, yeah. yank my chain? So if they know it won't happen and they use yeah. it as a promise, then and that course, is a lie, right? That's a lie. That's a liar, liar. Pants on fire. Exactly. So are you ready for our first question? I am so ready for our first question. Here we go. Mum's the word in Maryland. I work in, in the accounts payable department of a property management company outside of Baltimore. I'm responsible for reimbursing our people for out-of-pocket expenses. One of our employees is submitting fake receipts. She's given me handwritten receipts for restaurants, taxis, and even two or three from street vendors. I know they're fake because the printing and the numbers are the same in each. Also, they are all under the threshold for using a company charge card. The problem is, she's the owner's granddaughter, and he thinks she's wonderful. She's not. Do I go to him or go to her and tell her to pay the money back or, oh, pay the money back and I'll just keep quiet? Again, mum's the word in Maryland. Wow. Ruh -ruh. Right. Oof, oof, oof. This is sticky. I know, right? So basically, mums the word thinks they have two choices, either to speak up or to shut up. Yeah. And that's probably right, right? Yeah, speak I think, up or I shut think up. that sounds right. But the question is, to whom should they speak up? Right, right. right. Or is it to whom they should speak up to? No, to whom to they whom? should speak up. So they asked us if they should go to either the owner or the cheater. 
Okay, here I'm going to give a couple options. Um, I would think I would probably be more inclined to go to her first before going to grandpa. Uh, give her a chance to come clean. You know, she maybe she maybe she forgot to get receipts and she was handwriting them. Whatever. Give her a chance to come clean. And don't accuse her. Don't say you're trying to rip off the company. Just tell her that her receipts aren't quite in alignment with the reimbursement policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell her, you know, that if she, you know, that she'll need to get approval from someone above her for these to be reimbursed. Like you can do little white lies, but you can like tell her they're not in line with the policy and see if she can't do better about getting more real, real um, Mm -hmm. receipts. Um, If you do decide to go to grandpa, who is the owner, (laughs) one thing you could do is explain the problem first without telling him who the problem was. Oh, good idea. (laughs) And see what he says. You could say to him and say, hey, listen, you know, some of our employees are handing in receipts. Uh, that aren't really quite legible. They don't really they don't really meet our standards, uh, and I'm not sure what I should do about them. What would be your advice about these reimbursements? And then when he says, "Oh, they can't be uh, reimbursed if the receipts aren't proper," then you say, "Okay, well, here's the tricky part. One of them is your granddaughter. I'm willing to like do anything you say, but I just want to be really clear because my concern would be if we treat her differently, something like right. that." But I actually think accounts payable uh, has a third option, uh, which is the way Mary Abjay would probably do it in real life. And that is, this is an accounts payable person. This isn't the chief financial officer. So why don't you bump this up to your boss? Like, yeah. who who do you report to? Who's the CFO or who's the head of accounting? And say, hey, this is going on. And lay it at their feet to solve this is why those people get the big bucks for them to handle these sticky little problems. So those are a couple of my ideas that they can do. Uh, all of these are going to require a little bit of tact, a whole lot of non-judging, and a whole lot of non-accusing. Wow. <clears throat> I think you got to the same place I ended up at, but you went there differently than I did. Oh, tell me your path. Well, first of all, uh, the AP... I looked at it first clinically. The the obligation of the AP person is to report this to his or her boss, right? Yeah. Now, the problem I saw with this is if she reports this to the, the grandfather, I think this could turn into one of those madness of King George scenarios. I don't know if you remember that movie where King George goes crazy, right? And then everyone uh-huh. who supports King George is, uh, is... And then he goes back to normal. And then they got rid of everyone who supported King George while he was crazy. <laughs> so um, the grandfather might appear to accept this uh, initially and be supportive, but he might push this under the rug by getting rid of you. Uh, good point. So in that sense, because he wants his da- granddaughter to remain looking like a wonderful creature that she is yeah. or that he imagines her to be. So, um, uh, and I like this uh, going uh, to her might work, but she has a history of doing this. So she has a history. So um, if she, she might clean up her stop, she might change her tactics, but you become complicit in this. You see, yeah. that's the problem I felt there. Because then she says, well, the, the AP person said it was okay. I mean, apparently I, I didn't do anything right, that wrong, right? So I also, I like your third alternative, bump it up. Or go to somebody that the, G, uh, the grandfather trusts and say, look, here's the situation. How would you handle this knowing, knowing this man? Uh, oh, I like that. Uh, and if you went to that third party, which is a little triangulation, yeah. but I can support that, but you're not going to name names, no. right? Or you are going to name well, names. Well, you'd have gonna... to say, look, this is this is a relative of the, the you know the founder. And so right. how do we handle this with grace? Or do we handle this? Or do we handle or this? Or do we yeah. handle this? And then uh, whatever happens, I think the granddaughter is a bit of a 
stopped. I mean, come on. Well, you know, she's trying to, but you know, let's also give her maybe a little bit of credit. Like, so let me ask you this, Chris DeSantis, have you ever uh, had to take a taxi for a client, like, you know, uh, ground transportation from an airport, forgot to get a receipt, right? And had to hand write the receipt in yourself. Oh yeah. No, I've done that. I've done that. So maybe she's doing some of that. Maybe these are legitimate experiments. I'm trying to like- No, no. I, I think your point is correct that, that the possibility exists with that. But I think what I'm, what the, the tonality seemed to be, she's doing something on the yeah. sly yeah. here. She's creating scenario, you know, well, and I think when you're like when you're a member of the family that owns the business, you know, part of you can think, well, it's my exactly. family's business. I should get some exceptions. But the truth is, if you're a member of the family that owns the business, you got to keep your sh really clean I think because so. when because if you don't then that's going to send a really bad message to the other employees for example when my sister and i owned our bar like you know yes did we take beer did we take liquor did we take food home of course we did but we got in a big fight early on when i said you can do that but you can't do it in front of the staff because if the staff sees you taking out a six you know a, a case of budweiser or a couple of bottles of vodka they're gonna think taking stuff home is okay so we created a really strong like agreement between us we would never take stuff home in front of the staff well i think it's a great policy uh not to steal from your employers so and i think the granddaughter <laughs> should be reminded right. of that or not or not to steal in front of your employees or in front of your employees <laughs> <laughs> well that's good i think we solved that problem ap so hopefully yes, we good luck. did Mum's the word in Maryland. I hope that mum's the word comes back and tells us what they decided to do. I'd like or to if any other our listeners have had a similar situation, we'd like to hear. If you have a workplace question, hey, people, we're here to help. Email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Oh, you ready for our next question? I am ready for our next question. Let's do it. Thinking fast to go slow. I'm a contract employee and I do data entry for a clinical trial at a university here in Dallas. I found out from one of the grad assistants that they are moving from an hourly pay scale to a piecemeal work. My supervisor has given me a pile of data to enter into the system to test my speed. He doesn't know, I know, and he's always been a dick, so a dick to me, so I entered the data half as fast as I typically do. I'm likely to make more money now than before. <laughs> now they're hiring another contractor. Should I let her in on this and risk her telling him, or should I just play dumb? Once again, thinking fast and to go slow. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I have to confess, like I am doing some quick math in my head to really figure out like, what do you mean? Like, wouldn't it be the same? So I see, so if they say to him, uh, every hour we're going to pay you $20. Uh -huh. And in that hour we expect, you know, you do whatever. Let's say he puts in a hundred pieces of data. So now they're going to pay him for piecemeal. So if he gets, let's say $20 for every hundred, now he has to go slower to make more money. If he's, if he, I need I need an algebra kid. So if yeah. yes. if he slows it down, that means that it takes. Uh, let's say it used to take one hour to put yeah. in uh, for twenty for one. Let's say let's say one hour it took you uh, in in the old world that you did it for that twenty twenty dollars. You were able to put in a hundred pieces of data 
in an hour. Yeah. Right? Now yeah. he's saying, let's test your speed. He says, now I'll put in 50 pieces of data for an hour. And so now it'll take me twice as long to do what I used to do in an hour at a $20 rate. Well, that is if the rate is going to be $20. So it's, I'm a little confused on the math between thinking fast and going slow, but let's just assume he's figured this out. I'm assuming it's a he. Uh, he's figured it out um, uh, because a woman wouldn't say he's been a dick to me. She'd say he's been a <laughs> um, All right. So, <laughs> um, all right. So I'm embarrassed to say I'm kind of on two minds here. I should say that thinking fast is trying to pull a fast one. But part of me thinks I might do the same thing if I was in the same boat. If I felt I would be getting ripped off, mm -hmm. I might slow things down. So the honest thing to do, of course, would be to keep it at your normal speed because it probably really wouldn't impact your financial situation. Uh, because if they're, they're going to base the piecemeal based on your normal hourly rate. Yeah. It's probably going to be a wash for you. But since you've already tried to game the system, it seems a little late for that. But here's your problem thinking fast. If you tell the new contractor your scheme, then you put yourself at risk by having that person rat you out, which is not good. Mm -mm. You'll get the ax. Um, but if you don't tell them and they are much faster than you, then your supervisor may up the quantity of the piecemeal work or worse yet, they may fire your ass because you're too slow <laughs> and find someone faster. So as awful as I feel about saying this, I think I would do nothing until you see how this plays out because we don't know whether or not you're really fast or if you're just mediocre or you're really slow. So see how this plays out. But I would say if you're going to do that, I'm going to recommend that you slowly up your game to get yourself in a more honest position because I think that you do want to uh, try to reclaim your integrity on this the best that you can. Uh, and then the last thing I would say about this is, you know, this is kind of classic padding of hours. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very common in contract work, especially when hourly rates aren't at market value. So if there's any business owners or business managers listening to this, you know, the lower you pay per hour, the slower people will move. Uh, so you want to make sure that I know we've been in situations where the hourly rate was just ridiculous. So you know what? We worked a little slower. Uh, mm. So I would say really try to give your employees good market value for their time. I, I love what you've just said here. I, I think that's very true that you get what you pay for. And so, and treating people in a way that reflects that, because it, the implication here by virtue of what this manager is doing is they are trying to save money at the consequence of the data entry people. Yeah. That's what they're doing. So they're, I, I think they're trying to sort of uh, take full advantage of their grant so that they can sort of capture as much of that back as possible, which of course has a consequence. The other thing I thought was very interesting is that uh, why didn't the supervisor do the data entry themselves to test the timing? You know what <laughs> I'm saying? That would have cost a fortune because the supervisor probably is really slow. So they'd yeah. have to be paying like five times as much uh, per, per batch. Because, but you know, letting an employee do it uh, from the get-go is really kind of setting yourself up for a problem. I, that's what I yeah. see. It I, unless there's a a number of people that they would do that with at the same time, but having just one piece of it, you know, one person to do it. So I I agree with you. What you said, Mary. I wouldn't let this new person in on it since you yeah. have to explain how to do it and you know to increase or whatever they do. So um, also, as you said, uh, your the baseline. Uh, 
is a guess, meaning that you know you don't know how fast she'll go or how slow yeah. you'll go, and so. And you are the challenge here, though, is if she does get a faster rate than you, then you and this the operative word here is contract employee. You may lose your contract <laughs> as a consequence, and she'll get all the work. So um, I, I think eventually you have to watch her do what she does, and then say, okay, where am I with this? And then you up your speed to match hers, or. If she's really slow, slow your speed to match hers. Uh, but I would play dumb. I would play yeah. dumb. Yeah, and and don't do this again. And don't uh, do been this Been there, again. done this, because it really is kind of gaming the system. Yeah. Uh, it really is. And you know, and the reason you're doing it is because your supervisor was a dick. That's yeah. not a reason to do it. Like yeah. that's a reason to find a different job. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you you know if they had said, "I feel like I am being ripped off," that's a whole different story. But he didn't say that. He said the guy was just a dick to him. Yeah, I would be. I would move. Yeah, I would just uh, play dumb. Hope for the best here. If it doesn't work out, there's other there's other gigs. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Give us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to tune into Cubicle Confidential. Well, we've taken care of two liar liars pants on fire. Exactly. I have a feeling we've got a third, a third uh, we challenge do. to us. Are you ready for the next question? I am ready. This one is been there, done that in Tampa. I run a one-person marketing strategy shop in Tampa. Last year, I did a detailed marketing strategy and campaign for a restaurant chain in the city. I priced the work badly, and I ended up making very little. I have since been approached by one of my competitors asking to do the exact same thing for them. They want the same demographic, the same marketing channels, even the same giveaways and ad buys. I feel like I'm plagiarizing my own work and doing a disservice to my other clients. But I could make some serious money this time if I just overwrite what I did. Should I copy and paste my previous work, <laughs> start from scratch and or and start from scratch and give them something new, or just turn it down? Been there, done that in Tampa. Wow. Uh, what do you I, think? I love, <clears throat> love, love this question. Yeah. This one is really easy for me. Um, and I just I, I I don't know if this is answers their question, but I want I I'm kind of wanting been there and done that to reframe this situation. Mm. Um, because the client isn't paying for your hourly rate, they're paying for the value of your work to them. And I think this is a common mistake that many solopreneurs make when mm -hmm. they start out. They think, oh, I gotta like figure out, yeah, you uh, you, you want to figure out how long and how much effort, uh, level of effort you're putting into a project, but that's not essentially what you are what you are billing for. You're billing for the value you are giving the client. Mm -hmm. So while they may be, when they're thinking of the of the cost of the project, why they may price out the services by thinking of an hourly rate, they just have to remember what they're really selling is the expertise to the client, their mm -hmm. expertise. So I would say you should absolutely use your research from previous clients, but you need to refresh it. Mm -hmm. No two clients are exactly the same. So a simple cut and paste would be a disservice to your new client. So I'm not recommending that. Um, 
but I am recommending that you have this expertise. You've already done a little market research. Go back, refresh it, take a look at it. And plus, if they are competitors to the first client, then you do have to be a little bit more creative and Mm -hmm. offer them something a little bit different. And maybe in the grand strategy, it might be very similar, but in the tactics, I think you're going to have to do something a little different. And I would also take a moment and either connect with the first client or take a look at what you did for them and find out ways in which your strategy worked and ways that it didn't. And then you can use that knowledge uh, to actually enhance the strategy for the new client. The last thing I'll say is it's probably a good idea to mention to the new client that you've worked on a similar project for a competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this actually might make you more valuable to them. For some reason, clients like it when their consultants have experience in the same industry, even when that experience bears no relevance on the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like lawyers like it when you've worked with other law firms. You know, right. construction companies like it when you've worked for other construction companies. Uh, but most of all, I would say, I want you to use this as a lesson to get better at pricing your expertise and more and hard work more accurately. Stop thinking about it like as an hourly thing. Start thinking about you are lending your expertise and you're bringing value to your client. I like what you're saying. I, I think <clears throat> what you, you really capsulize in my view that you, the value isn't the hourly rate. The value right. is the solution you bring. Uh, but you want to make sure the solution is unique, as you said, to that particular client as opposed to a repetition of what the competition is doing. I, I think that's all great. I thought it was an interesting sin- uh, scenario as well. Um, this is a one-man shop, uh, which I want to make the point is this is your entire livelihood, and therefore this is directly tied to your reputation. Nice. So this is a reputational issue. And if you provide this idea, identical work, I believe word will get out to both parties that you are, in effect, plagiarizing your own work. Because if they're competitors, they're observing each other. And they'll either nice. think you are uh, you know, unoriginal or too lazy. And I think the, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, you go to the competitor and you say you're presently want what you've done. You're, um, go to the president and say what you presently want I've done for a competitor. But you are not that competitor. So you're getting, I'm going to have to give you a customized plan. And I think that's what you say. Look, I've done this. I've done it. But you need a customized version. So let me do my job and create a plan that's unique for who you are. And granted, there'll be some areas of overlap. Uh, So I'll provide you with alternatives to the overlap, you see. So in that sense that they're quite aware that you have already entered this as this market and have a plan for this market, yet at the same time, you are you are shifting that for this particular group. Um, also, uh, know what you did wrong uh, with the other plans. So you should price in accordance to what you need to make a profit. That's the other yeah. part of this too. What, what's your need here? Uh, and, and again, in conclusion, I think you've, you've only got one reputation, so never sully it. And I think being honest is really the path to go. I love that. You know, that's so good, you know, because I think, uh, you know, when you're thinking about what you can reuse, you can absolutely reuse your research, like go refresh it. Like that's research. That's, those are costs that you, you know, already have. And that's part of your expertise. But I agree with you. You've got to create a new plan. You've got to do some new creativity, creative twists on what you're going to do with this research and what, what sort of strategies you're going to recommend to them. Yeah. Because what you've done is above board, meaning that yeah, the marketplace will see that you bought these ads, you, you've placed this kind of, and this ad looks like this and so forth. So you have to provide the other clients some alternatives to that that says, yeah. okay, this, I thought this was going to work. Now, I also think the possibility of this working as well, but it's your decision as to what path you will take. 
Yeah, and the same thing for things that worked. You could say, you know, in a similar project I did for the Burger Queen. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, they were really successful with this kind of strategy. Now, we can't do that exact same thing, but here's some alternatives. So I think you're right. What worked and what didn't work, you need to come with honesty uh, to that and use those as a springboard to, cra- to craft something new and fresh for them. I, I agree. And I think, uh, well, I think we've helped this person. I, also, I think our theme here, I don't know if anybody, our listeners will catch this, the subtext of all our themes is it's probably not good to lie. It's probably yeah. better to be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, like, when do you ever do white lies? I think every day, every, every day, day, everybody right. does white lies. <laughs> How do I look in this dress? Oh my God, well, there's a loaded question. You see what I'm saying? So every day, I think it, that, that's just the lubricant of, of getting through the day. And what do you lie about? What are your, what are your most common white lies? Oh, that's an interesting one. Well, I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with who's asking me the question and then how, comfort are they, how comfortable are they with the level of uh, you know, honesty and the response. I think yeah. people sometimes just want assurance. And so yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give over a, a white lie to assurance. Then, So are you saying, like, when you come up to me and say, you did great on that podcast, you're lying to me? No, because I said people who need assurance. <laughs> you do not need assurance. You are, you are superb in your execution of the things you do. <laughs> I, think you are someone's getting, I think someone's getting smoke up, you know what? You know, here's the thing that I lie about most, and what? all my friends know that? it. So it's just like, well, now I lie. I lie to get out of things. I lie oh. because I'm too tired. I don't want to meet you for dinner. I don't want to go oh. out for drinks. I, you know, so that's my, those are my big white no, lies. that's a good one. So I'm, I'm unable to do this because I'm unable. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid to say that. So I'm always like, my dog is sick or whoops, can't do this. You know, Valentino's throwing up because I don't have kids to blame things on. Right. So, <laughs> so you have, you have, uh, your lies are conflicts, meaning the, the, the conflict of a, another situation. I like to consider my lies around saving myself. I lie to save myself. No, I think that makes sense. I think probably we all do. We all weigh that in. We do. Yeah. And, speak, and speaking of saving ourselves, I'm going to save our listeners right now from having to listen to any more of Cubicle Confidential. But I would like to thank all of you listeners for joining us today. Uh, thank you to uh, Jack Edinger, our amazing, overworked, underpaid producer who I think is still in Europe. And thank you, Chris Marlowe, for filling in today. Uh, if you have a workplace question, a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No question is too big. No question is too small there are lots of ways to reach us you could email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com or tweet us at cubicleconfide1 or connect with us on linkedin chris desantis mary abajay cubicle confidential people we're everywhere uh so until next week work hard be kind be honest and if you can't call us (laughs) see you next time 